How do you start a podcast? <laughs> I think that's an, a very important question that you should have answered, or we should have answered before you started. Hi, welcome to the unofficial Decom podcast. I'm Anthony, Hello. and with me, I have Ethan. Wow, not even your friend, Ethan. I guess you are my friend, but to the outside world, who... We're just colleagues. We're just colleagues. We've been trapped in this basement. We've been forced to... um, (laughs) We've been forced to start a podcast where we rewatch every single DCOM in existence from start to finish, starting with the classic movie from... 1996 or 7, I don't know. It's 7, I wrote it down. Look at me, I'm being official about this. Look at you. Uh, 1997, <laughs> Under Wraps. Uh, and um, what is Under Wraps about? Well, there's a lot about Under Wraps. Because it being the first one, it's got absolutely nothing up to live up to. Very so little they- so they decided to start with a horror movie, as they describe it, or as least as Wikipedia describes it, because that's where I get my information from. Well, the interesting thing about about uh, underwraps and and decoms in general is I've talked to um, I've talked to people who are older than me, and I think that's an important thing that we should bring up. Yeah, it's not the first movie that's premiered on Disney Channel. That's what it seemed like, again, from the Wikipedia article about it. They, it seemed like there were other movies before it, but like for Disney Channel original movies, this is the first one. Right. It's the first one that they're like, this is a DCOM. Uh, there's some other ones that people are like, well, it's kind of a DCOM, but uh, whatever a DCOM means, they were like, this is it. Disney Channel original movies were starting with under wraps. And what a way to start. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if they expected, like, a decom like, thing to happen, like, a renaissance of, like, uh, actually, it's 106 movies. So I don't know if they expected this, but this is definitely a way to start it. That's for sure. And um, what, like, it's interesting because they start in 1997 and they go, we're going to start with a Halloween movie. Despite releasing two movies during 1997 that were... Disney Channel premiere films. Okay. They release under wraps on October 25th. And then the next DCOM is going to come out almost a year later in on June 27th, 1998. And they'll release three more that year. And then in 1999, they'll really start throwing them out there. Like the real ones? or Not even the real ones because 1998 is, has two uh, huge DCOMs. Okay. And um, and from 1999, 1999, um, they released seven, eight, eight DCOMs. So I think this is an important place to start is um, me and Ethan are both 21. Yes, legally. Legally, we are both 21. Legally, we have to tell you. Yeah. Or else. Um, but... Ethan is the youngest of two. Oh, Ethan is the oldest of two. I'm the youngest sure. of four. Aren't you? No, I am. You you were right the second time. Yeah, I was right the second time. Yeah, no, I like <laughs> I, I wanted to laugh at you. 
That's gonna happen a lot. I'm gonna be right the second time. <laughs> I and I will never be right. That's the other thing. Be like the fifth time. I think you should aim for. Okay, I I respect that. As the youngest of four, I have the youngest of four with the oldest being um, eight years older than me. I have seen way more of the early decoms than I have any of the mostly i think my cutoff is probably around 2009 is when i start like losing some of them there Mm -hmm. are definitely some early ones that i don't see that i haven't seen uh especially like my under wraps i've not seen before but i i have a lot more of the late 90s early 2000 ones in my head versus you yeah um i'm gonna say I probably went through an era where I watched a bunch, but I still didn't watch all of them. And if we're going off like when I stopped, it was I know it was before Teen Beach Movie because I, I watched Teen Beach Movie at a later date, but it was around like that time. But the thing was, I still never watched each and every single one of them. I watched a couple of the big ones, but even I missed some of the big ones too because that's just how life works sometimes. I was a busy as a kid, you know? I couldn't catch... The premiere at uh, Friday night, 8, 7 Central, only on Disney Channel. Right. They don't tell you that enough in life that, you know, sometimes you're not going to catch all of the decounts. Especially when they, you couldn't, like, record them on your TV. Like, you'd have to pe- pull out, like, a VHS. I'm dropping some, uh, you know, I'm tro- showing my age here because that's what we have to do, apparently. We have but, to show our age. Yeah. But, like, you couldn't just record Legally. a... Le- <laughs> You couldn't legally record a decom. We didn't have Disney Plus. And guess what? It doesn't matter because Under Wraps isn't on Disney Plus either. It's not. Um, I purchased Disney Plus on Amazon for $5. How did you watch Disney You purchased Plus? the whole service on Amazon? Uh, oh, sorry. I purchased Under Wraps on Amazon for $5. Like a fool because it was on YouTube for $0.00. And zero cents. Right, but I, I now own under wraps. So who's the real fool? Uh, did you did your uh, version of the film start off with like the platinum DVD spinning icon? Definitely not. Then you wasted your money All right. because it gave me that like throwback kind of thing. Even though I think when they released it on DVD, it came out in like 2011. It had a very like early 2000s DVD starting kind of feel. But that's besides the point. It's besides the point. The point is I did waste $5. <laughs> but if all goes well, it can just be a tax write-off. Yeah. Like, we don't have a budget for this podcast. I am using a uh, rock band mic plugged into my computer. So uh, Inside a cup. Inside a cup to hold it up because I, I move too much. I, I've, I've been told in my life. <laughs> We've um, run some test podcasts, and I can confirm Ethan did move too much. Yeah, you you know how it be, kind of that anxiety thing. But uh, hopefully we can make this $5 back somehow. And if not, well, you wasted $5. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, but I think I really found myself during this movie, and maybe that's worth $5. Who's to say? Maybe the $5 is the real friends we made along the way. Exactly. 
So let's uh, let's launch into something that you thought of. Um, Thank you for giving me credit for this one because right. it's not going to happen often. <laughs> so coming into the first, our first, um, our first episode, we wanted to establish our current top three, and then I think it'll be fun. We're planning on ranking the movies as we go, but I think it also would be fun if our personal top three, and maybe we'll expand it to top five, but after each episode or at the start, we'll check in with our top three and see if we have a new one. Yeah, um, I think the plan we have right now is at the end of every episode, we are going to have a list from one to 106 right now. Like who knows by the end of this podcast if there will be more made. But right now, one to 106, and we are going to rank them all. And it's going to change throughout. I know that. Um, yeah, and I think it's just going to be interesting to see if stuff that we watched when it came out uh, stays high up on the list or gets moved around by uh, new movies we have watched. Right. So uh, let's start. What is your number three in your top three? My number three. Now, I think my number three and number two can be, like, pretty interchangeable because, like, with a, I feel like with a lot of the movies I've, I watched when I came, they came out, I haven't watched since. So, like, I don't know. But coming in my number three right now is any of the high school musical movies. Okay, so your number three is, is two movies, technically. Cause it's, it's three movies. No, high school. Oh, are you counting Sharpay's Adventure? No. High School no. Musical Three is not a decom. That's depressing. I like. I know it came out in theaters and everything. Right. But damn. Meaning. Okay. It did not premiere on Disney Channel. <laughs> <laughs> the Disney Channel original movie theater. Uh, rewatch podcast. Welcome to our new podcast where we only watch High School Musical 3. That was the cup falling. I'm sorry. That was the cup falling. That was the mic cup falling. Uh, so, so that's my number three. Uh, okay. So I guess one or two High School Musical. Okay. Now, what is your number three? My number three is um, Private. Uh, you will absolutely not know it. Um, my number three is Johnny Capahala back on board. I is, I feel like you've told me about this one before. It That's is the reason the, why I know it. It is the sequel to Johnny Tsunami, which I like infinitely less. I think my love for Johnny Capahala back on board comes from mostly the color schemes of the skateboards. That's a good way to like draw the young viewers in. Like, ooh, skateboards. Ooh, skateboards with cool colors. It was. It uh, It was very, like, it always reminded me of the Rocky Power episode when they find the, like, underground skate park and they have, like, the light-up um, skateboards. But, regardless, great movie, uh, great sequel. Um, I don't know how many other people feel this way, but here we are. What is your number two? Okay, so when I was going over in my head, like, just a second ago, I've noticed my top three is all um, movie musicals. Because my number two is Camp Rock. 
And I think that's mainly because I own the uh, two-disc special edition CD that I can play in my car whenever I want. And I think that's why, because the music of movies I haven't watched in a while have stuck with me, while other stuff just goes out of my brain quickly. I think I think our viewers will learn that a lot, that a lot of things go out of your brain very quickly. Yeah, I like to make it clear before. I, I take notes, but I will forget a lot of stuff. And, you know, I think that's the, I think that's the energy that we bring. I don't think, I don't think we're ever going to be a hundred percent, right? I think we're here for the fun. I don't even think we're going to be 90%. I don't think we're going to be like close to high to 100%. I'm, but we'll be, we'll be somewhere. I'm aiming for like a 40% completion. Rate, I think that's a good rate. place to shoot for. Yeah. It's not too much, but it's also not too little. So what is your number two ranking? So my number two movie is actually also a movie musical. Um, It is a bit more modern than Johnny Capahala. It is Lemonade Mouth. That is a good one. That is a very good one. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I uh, I like what they're doing. It is one of the more recent. I I think I've probably seen more recent ones since then. Like I've definitely seen Teen Beach Movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. I think it's all around good. I think the music's good. So that's number two for me. So I'm gonna bounce right off of that because my number one is Lemonade Mouth. I had a feeling yours is one or two. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to spoil it. I wanted to keep the people. The people guessing throw them off a rhythm a little bit. But no, number one is is definitely Lemonade Mouth. And uh, I think it's another thing. The music really sticks with it. Naomi Scott, wonderful. Um, Yeah, it's just a good movie. Like, And that's one I've rewatched like recently. And I think it still holds up today. How many times have you and me watched Lemonade Mouth? I think together we've only watched it once. But I've gone to like... I've made a world tour of going to different people's houses when I could and then watching Lemonade Mouth. Right. We are, we are pro um, not going to people ha- people's houses during a pandemic on this podcast. Yeah, we are very pro staying inside no matter how much it hurts us because right. the pain of getting sick would be worse. Yeah. We don't like the pain of sickness. So we are I- down with the sickness. We're no, we're not anti-sickness. We're not. <laughs> oh, down sorry. I wanted to be like the cool kids. Uh-oh. But go, go. What's your number one? Before I get into any trouble. Uh, number one for me um, is Luck of the Irish. Oh, okay. I might have watched this one, but I know the reason you like it because it's basketball. It's not the reason I like it. No. Um, it's, it plays a part, but it's just an amazing movie, um, led by, like, the star of DCOMs for a short, short period of time. Um, but I think it's a great movie. It's got a great cast. It has a great um, song in there. They throw a little song in there. I'm not going to tell you much about it. So when we get there, it is amazing. I'm excited. And it's just an all-around great movie. And, um, yeah. 
Yeah, so I think that gives people the basis of where we lie in the DCOM universe of what we've seen and how we feel about certain types of movies. So I think it's time to get into Under Wraps. All right, so the movie starts in this weird, like, anti-bullying style uh, video where there's a boy named Ben, and he's talking about the monsters that he sees in his room. His sister is bullying him, and his parents are telling him that he needs to go sleep in his room, and he can't sleep in their bed anymore. Um... I thought this was the movie. Uh, I'm glad you did, because I started taking notes like this was the real movie. And I, and then when we got to the point where uh, we see it's not, I was shocked. Right. I, so so um, the family is eating dinner. The family goes into the living room. The, the dad who... Are you familiar with the dad in this fictional movie in Under Wraps? Like the actor? Yeah. Um, no, I'm going to say, I like. so there was a title card before the whole thing. I My thing was, uh, I did not recognize any of the names, but then I did recognize actors. Right. And by actors, I mean one actor. So no, I did, not, I, I did not know this one. Okay, so this actor is Tom Virtue, and I'm only bringing him up because... One is the dad and even Stevens, the Shia LaBeouf TV show. And he will also, more than anybody else in this cast, he will be in five DCOMs. That's impressive. That's like not a DCOM for each one. finger. Oh, not including this one? Not including this one. Dang. We will see him again in Brink, which comes up shortly. Horse Sense, Miracle in Lane 2. The Even Stevens movie and read it and weep. I'm excited because uh, his acting, I don't know if it was meant for like the film inside the film. It was something. I, that's all I have to say. Right. It was very convincing when he dropped the knife down the garbage disposal. And this is when I realized I don't think I'm, I don't think this is the movie because why would this be a Disney movie? I thought since it was the first, like, decom, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it the pass that this knife swirling in the, uh, the uh, drain in the sink makes sense. I'm just going to go with it. Right. Eventually, we watch the knife swirl, and we see a monster smash through the window, grab the dad's head, and try and force it into the garbage disposal knife and then we cut to Gilbert uh, I think Gilbert screams and yes. um, runs out of the movie theater so yeah, after um, the other main character Marshall uh, calls him a wuss and tells him to stop holding his leg because he's a scaredy cat <laughs> so Gilbert is played by Adam Wiley whom we will see one more time in Can of Worms in 1999. Um, Marshall is played by Mario Yadida, who we will not see again. Did you catch the name of the movie? 
I didn't catch the name of the movie. The name of the movie is Warthead 4, A Day in the Country. So that means that there were three more Wordheads before. All right, let's workshop these names. What is Warthead 1 called? Well, Warthead had just has to be the name of the first one, I feel. Oh, yeah. So That's how it all starts. Okay, Warthead 2. Is that like the return of the Warthead kind of thing? Is it like Warthead 2? What if Warthead 2 back from the back from the dead? Back from the dead. Oh, I like that one. Okay. And then Warthead 3 is Warthead 3 like the re the rewardheading. The rewarding. The rewarding. Okay. So there we go. The I, those these are movies I want to see. I mean, I don't want to see. Because that monster in the movie was absolutely terrifying. It was like, a I very disturbing monster. I know, like, if I was, like, a kid at the time, I would have, uh, I would have pulled a Gilbert. I would have, uh, cried and ran out. Right. I have definitely gotten nightmares from movies that had less scary villains than whatever that was. It was just disgusting, but I'm glad uh, my the one benefit or disadvantage of my YouTube uh, finding of the movie is it was pretty grainy footage, but I could tell he was scary. Pretty grainy footage on Amazon, too, man. Okay, so I'm glad I, <laughs> I didn't pay the $5 for grainy footage. Um, well, I am, so there we are. Uh, so the boys, Gilbert and Marshall, are walking home from the movie theater, and Gilbert mentions... That he likes happy movies, such as The Sound of Music. And when That's he all. said that, when he said that, I thought, uh, well, there are bad parts about The Sound of Music, and little did I know Gilbert would bring them up too. Do you know what he said about the Nazis and Sound of Music? He said, some, he said, they're dancing Nazis, but not all of them dance. No, he said, uh, it's close. He said, the Nazis don't sing and dance. Which would be really cool. <laughs> there are dancing and singing Nazis in Sound of Music. Yeah? There is one. The That's enough. That's the, enough dancing Nazis. It was, and it was not really cool. I'll tell Gilbert <laughs> that. Uh, the boyfriend of the oldest daughter uh, has his song, and he is a Nazi, and he is dancing and singing. So Gilbert has not watched Sound of Music enough. <laughs> um, I think this is an important thing to start. I think, I think we need to keep track of like just like the worst conversations that have happened yeah. in DCOMs. And I think this one is going down first, where Gilbert says the Nazis should sing and dance in... Sound of Music, which would be really cool. I think that is added to the list. I think it's also added to the list because right after he drops the Nazi mention, he drops a mention of just like a hot babe. That Those like words come out of his mouth. The girl- I'm like, oh, we're starting off strong. The oldest daughter who is the girlfriend of the Nazi. Um. Oh, I also like to say like these kids are, I'd say, uh, what do you say, 12, 13 probably? Uh, the description says 12, but I think they're referred to as teenagers, so 13. 
Well, okay. Who's to say? It's still a lot to be talking about, like Nazis and hot babes. Right. Especially, we'll learn more about them as people, um, but weird, weird conversation to start off with. So we'll keep going. Um, so they start talking about Halloween. They, uh, they talk about Gilbert asks, uh, oh, Gilbert asks Marshall, are you going to dress up for Halloween? Um, Marshall says no, and Gilbert says that he thinks Halloween is degrading. Now, one thing I want to bring up about this, it's not like brought up in like a dialogue later, but when you do see Marshall's room, it's basically a spirit Halloween of bedrooms. And I got very confused by that. Right. Marshall seems to be very interested in the concept of uh, of horror and Halloween-like things. And the only people more interested in that than Marshall seems to be this entire town has a giant <laughs> festival that they call a carnival, which we'll get into that later. <laughs> to, they're not going to be dressing up for Halloween. Meanwhile... Everyone else is. Yeah, it's like adults, children, everybody. It's like a big thing, and you're going to say, it's degrading. It's degrading, and they will not be... They will not be dressing up. So on their walk home, a car comes speeding past them and pulls into a house, and the car is driven by none other than the villain of movie, Mr. Kubat. Mr. Kubat is played by an actor and veteran named Ed, named Ed, Ed, Ed Lauder. Uh, he's been in over like 200 films and episodes of TV. He was in the original King Kong. He was in Alfred Hitchcock's last movie, Family Plot. And in 2013, he passed away at the age of 20, at the age of 74. Okay. So, and he made sure to round out that uh, great movie catalog with under wraps. I think he's good. He's good in this. Um, he is really good. I gotta, I gotta give the whole cast props here. Like, for like the first ever decom, I was really like thrown off with the acting in the uh, fake movie at the beginning. I'm like, oh no, we're really in for something here. This is gonna be a long hour and a half. But like when you get to the main characters, like, oh, they know what they're doing. That's impressive. Right. It is, it's well done. It's gonna, I think it'll be a good, like, jumping off point for DCOMs. I think the network execs will watch this and be like, all right, one on 105 more. There you go. <laughs> so Marshall asked Gilbert about Mr. Kubot. Uh, Gilbert explains to Marshall that um, while he is his, uh, he does deliver his newspaper. He has never gotten paid for it in two years of doing so. Not once. <laughs> and um, so then Marshall is like, well, we got to go get your money. And then Gilbert says, no, um, someone cherry bombed Mr. Kubat's mailbox at one time. And no one ever saw me in, which is not the same. He just casually, he casually dropped that uh, Mr. Kubat has killed a kid before. Right, which Marshall will quickly will quickly um, debunk by telling him that he moved to uh, Canada. Yes. 
Um, so they run up to the door and ring the doorbell and are met by a blinding light and Mr. Kubat opens the door alongside his silent guard dog. It's a big dog. It's a big dog who will chase them out into the street despite never once barking at the people walking up to the house. I have a dog. My dog is not as vicious as that dog. And my dog will let you know if someone walks up to the house. I think it's funny how, like, these movies from the 90s like to rely on these, like, big dogs on, like, chains, like, just chasing down little kids. Like, it brings me to, like, the Sandlot and stuff like that. Right. And I I just... I don't know... When you, like, describe Mr. Kubot's house, they describe it as, like, a creepy house. That's not the thing I think of to scare off the kids. Right. It's a creepy house. It is very unkept. Yeah. Um, and it's got a gate that was... It's got a gated fence that was apparently open when they went to go talk to him. So they... So Marshall and Gilbert are going to run home. Um where Gilbert is immediately kicked out of... Because it's past everybody's bedtime. Past everybody's bedtime. He's immediately kicked out by Marshall's mother, played by Corinne Borer, who will be in One More Decom in Phantom of the Megaplex. I thought you were going to call Phantom of the Opera a decom, and I <laughs> I was going to let you go with it. I think you might. I think you might have an clue as to what Phantom of the Megaplex is then. Uh, and Ted is also there, and he is played by Bill Figerbach. Do you recognize this actor? Uh, yes, I did not recognize the name. This is the one uh, actor I know when I recognize them, because he plays Patrick Starr, and he also plays Marshall's dad in How I Met Your Mother. Right. And one thing I found about that was was weird. So the kid's name is Ted. Uh-huh. And his, I mean, no, the kid's name is Marshall. Yeah. And his stepdad's name is Ted. And not stepdad yet, but yes. All right. Soon uh, in line to be stepdad. Mm-hmm. The dad from the movie is also, was also on an episode of How I Met Your Mother. I believe he Your, plays. The dad the- was in this movie? The no, the dad in the movie in Under Wraps. Oh, okay. Was also on an episode of How I Met Your Mother. If we want to keep tying that show in here, <laughs> uh, can I give you another role that this actor has had, and hopefully you recognize him? He plays Harold the Mummy in Under Wraps. Okay. I did notice this, and I accidentally saw it on the Wikipedia page once again, and I thought it was a spoiler, but it's not. It's not a spoiler. He just plays the mummy as well, because Ted, or the, or, yeah, he's not in the movie that much. Right. They, they are not around enough 
that it, it's noticeable. And um, he also makes very Patrick Star-like noises as the mummy. Uh, yeah, the first time we see the mummy like out on the town, it's uh, that was the point I was like, oh my God, he's playing the mummy as well. Right. It's obvious. Like, uh, Granted, it was before SpongeBob came out since this was in 1997. And SpongeBob, I think, came out in 99. But I'm like, this, that's just, he did the same voice. Yeah. So, um, so Gilbert is kicked out. Marshall heads up to his room, which is a storage closet for a Halloween store. And, um, we learn that Marshall's parents are divorced and Ted is the... I think long-term, long-term boyfriend of Marshall's mom, who I don't know if we ever learn her name. We don't learn her name. Uh, but it's, once again, I feel like we're going to experience this a lot throughout like our journey of watching these DCOMs, that classic like divorced parents trope and the kid hating the stepdad or stepmom. I feel like we're going to see that a lot. Yeah, uh, divorced parents, uh, single parents, we'll see the whole, the whole shebang. We'll see every style throughout this whole journey, for sure. Um, so we'll cut to school uh, later in the week, and Amy runs in, played by Claire Bryant, who also returned in... True Confessions, where she'll play true, <laughs> shows up and tells Gilbert and Marshall that Mr. Kubat died of a heart attack while making pancakes. A, uh, as Gilbert calls it, a healthy and nutritious meal, which I respect. I respect that a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. You know, as a kid, especially what we'll learn about Gilbert's mom, you gotta, you know... Gilbert's making his way through life, and if pancakes are a nutrition meal to him, you know, at least he's eating. He's, if he makes it through life, he'll be very lucky with that mother, which we will learn about later. Uh, Amy, Amy reveals to them that her mom is selling Mr. Kubat's house. She says he used to work at a museum, and that she's pretty sure there's a coffin in the basement. Normal stuff. Crazy fast realtor moving. Like, yeah, the, like dead body. Okay, get him out. We're selling the house now. And there's a coffin. Like, before school, <laughs> Amy learned Mr. Kubat died. Amy's mom is selling the house. And they learned about a coffin in the basement. All those things, all between school ended the day before and school started. Today, uh, I think we'll run into this a lot throughout this whole thing, but especially this movie. Um, so Gilbert's Gilbert's gonna reveal to us that um, his mom collects dolls and takes them to the movies. Uh, he doesn't say that is. Uh, he, uh, Amy calls him out on the mom taking the dolls to the movies, but then he's like, "Yeah, that's not weird," and then. Amy's like, uh, your mom feeds them as well. 
Gilbert is not loved. And I understand the degrading Halloween comment now. And he's really going to be... He is not the main character that you think he is at the start of the movie. Because I absolutely thought he was the main character. But he's going to grow on me. And he's going to be maybe the most entertaining part of the movie. Oh, he's my favorite. Like, just from the first scene of him just, like, running out of the theater and being like, I like nice movies. I'm like, I love this kid. He's my favorite because I can relate so much. I hate horror movies, and I'm a little scared again. Well, um, I don't think it gets much scarier than that scene throughout the rest of this movie, but it's going to get a little scarier as... The kids decide to make their way into Mr. Kubat's house the next day or that night. Um, Amy and Marshall show up to Gilbert's house to ask if Gilbert can come with them. And after they ask, Gilbert's mom tells them that they must call her Esmeralda. Because she role plays as Esmeralda. She role plays as Esmeralda. Who's Esmeralda? That's a good question. I think like the the uh, executives were just like, you know what, you know what's funny, Esmeralda. That's a good name. It's a good name, and that's the extent of the joke. But poor Gilbert, once again. <laughs> so the three of them are going to make their way to the house. They're gonna find a conveniently placed window that is unlocked, right above the basement, just where this coffin. Or so we learn is a sarcophagus is placed. Gilbert's gonna try and Gilbert's gonna push from behind into the window. Mm-hmm. Gilbert does a lot of like reckless things for a scaredy cat, and I don't think it's like out of braveness. I think it's just out of stupidity. I think he just wants to like get things over with. Like he's like. Oh, you can't open the window? I know I'm stuck here. Let's just get this over. I'm going to smash it myself and fall into the basement, basically. Right. Gilbert's going to fall into the basement. The kids are, the, uh, Amy and Marshall are going to grab him by the legs, are going to um, hold him as he notices a sarcophagus, and then he notices a hand reach out of the sarcophagus. The kids are going to take all of their strength and pull him up through the window with no problem. And they're going to make a run for it until they get away. And Gilbert realizes he lost his glasses. He's going to another. I feel like this glasses thing is another of one of these like classic tropes. We're going to see out throughout these movies of like, Oh, the nerdy scaredy cat. He's going to be like, I, I lost my glasses. I can't see without my glasses. Yeah, it's a, it's a Christmas story. Gilbert's going to say that he lost his glasses, and Amy and Marshall are going to act as if they didn't know he had glasses. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, yeah, they acted like, one, he, they didn't have gla- he didn't have glasses, and then two, they didn't care about it. Like They were like, okay, you're just going to walk around blind now. It's okay. No big deal. Right. So Amy hatches the idea, we'll just go back into the house through the front door 
because, because she had the key the whole time. She had the key the whole time. And Gilbert makes a point out of this because he makes sense. So finally, with the uh, key they had the entire time, the kids decide to go back to the house through the front door. Um, uh, Marshall and uh, Amy go downstairs to the basement to examine the uh, sarcophagus while Gilbert uh, stays upstairs where um, some spooky stuff starts to happen. Some doors close behind him. Um, and he seems pretty trapped for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, Gilbert's going to do a lot of Gilbert-esque things <laughs> throughout this movie. It's not going to really make sense to be the scary cat and then decide to get left alone as if the mummy couldn't have left. Hey, they don't know about the mummy yet. Come on. No, well, he saw the hand. Oh, I'm going to say something. I didn't see the hand because of that grainy YouTube footage. But Oh, so maybe my quality was better. We would never have known about the hand unless I spent the $5. Uh, they said in the next scene, and I knew it then, but uh, glad you can justify your purchase. But anyways, um, so the doors start to close. Somehow, uh, Amy and Marshall end up back upstairs, and that's when we meet the mummy for the first time. And the mummy's like doing mummy noises. He's like, uh, and he starts to chase them around this house. And I got to say, he's a pretty agile mummy. There's one point where he just jumps over a bed chasing him. And he's like, he does that classic, like mummy walk, like the, like slow, decrepit body kind of thing. And then he just jumps over a bed out of nowhere. He's very agile for being, Stuck in a sarcophagus for many years. Um, so then, so the mummy chases them, and they finally get cornered, as all good horror movies happen. Um, and he catches Gilbert, the mummy, like poor Gilbert. But the thing is, Gilbert drops the glasses that he finally got back, and Gilbert's like, "The mummy's gonna get me and everything." But the mummy decides to give back the glasses to Gilbert so he can see again because he knows that eyesight is important, unlike Marshall and Amy. So I think you missed a pretty important part of the scene. That sounds right. Um, and, you know, we're going to miss a lot of things. We're definitely, we'll get better. We'll get better. This is episode one. Uh, Trust the you, process. You missed the mummy taking a pee break. I did forget about the mummy taking a pee break. Because you told me to block all, all things about pee out of my mind so I don't have to go pee another time during this uh, podcast. Right, a little, yes. in, a little inside baseball where I don't know how many minutes in and Ethan has peed three times. You know what? A, man, a man's got to stay hydrated, but uh, the doctor seems like the next logical step. Play, uh, a, game, yes, play a game. See if you can find the cuts where we have to pause. <laughs> well, just like Ethan, the mummy... Uh, once the kids are cornered, goes, takes a pee break and comes back out and then he catches Gilbert. And um, so there was a watch. So Marshall has this watch that's very like 90s that has like a calculator. He basically does like a sales pitch for it. But the thing is, he sets an alarm on it because Gilbert has to get back home by 8.30 because that's his bedtime. Oh, I didn't realize why it went off. Yeah, come on, dude. Gilbert's got to get back home to Esmeralda. You got to know this stuff. Can I ask an existential question? Of course. I hate them, but ask ahead. What do you think the closest thing to 
beeping that an ancient Egyptian has ever heard? Uh, alien spaceships. Amy is pretty mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of times where I'm like, holy moly, like, I don't know why they hang out with her. But um, I think we see that. I think we see that in the next scene. Well, it kind of seems like they don't hang out with Amy. Amy just Amy kind just of shows like, up. <laughs> she shows up, goes, "Hey, your neighbor's dead. You want to go invest? You want to go check out his <laughs> coffin in his basement?" And they go, "Ah." Uh, no. And she's like, "Cool, cool. Yeah, cool. Let's go." Um, so I don't know if they're friends with Amy. They'll become friends with Amy, but certainly weren't at the start. I don't think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't believe so. But um, so the watch goes off, and then since they all have to leave because Gilbert's got to get home and go to bed, Marshall says he understands me. I think that's what he says. Is that correct? Right. They, they kind of he'll and he'll do this throughout where like he'll like kind of like talk, and you'll and you'll be like, oh, he said, uh, you know, he said that. No problem. But then other points, he'll literally just say, speak English, but like with a grunting gauze in his mouth. <laughs> the mummy grunts. Mercer says, it's more than my dad says to me in a month. Was that Marshall or was that Gilbert? Because I thought Gilbert said it because it threw me off. I'm like, oh, we get another person hating their dad in this movie. I think two out of the three that we know of do not have good relationships with their father. Yeah, it just seems like, but it makes sense that these people would investigate a uh, a creepy house. Right. Gilbert's dad is seemingly out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would hope so with what Esmeralda does. <laughs> and we know Marshall's dad is out of the picture. So, regardless, it's a sad thing to hear from both of these 12-year-old boys. <laughs> uh, so, after the, um, the mummy, like, Marshall and the mummy have a connection, they leave, and then we cut to the next day at school, where, um, just out of nowhere, well, they talk about telling an adult about this uh, sarcophagus in a basement, because that's the logical thing to do. Right, they they definitely talk about that, and they talk about the logicalness of it. But then, um, eventually they they're gonna settle on one of the least responsible people in the movie. But also, I think it's important to cover this weird interaction that does happen with Amy at her locker. Yes, yes. Um, Todd, just a random kid from school. No, he does not show up ever again in this film. Also looks to be like three years younger than the rest, but. But that, that's not the worst part about it. So he's like, he's hidden on Amy and Amy just shoots this kid down. There is no doubt that Amy just hates everybody as we will learn. Yeah, she shoots him down because he's seen uh, the- <laughs> he's seen the Olsen twins movie twice. I don't know which... Okay, I looked this up. I couldn't tell which Olsen twin movie it was. Well, you didn't do a good job, because I know which Olsen twin movie it was. <laughs> I, they have a lot of movies. I'm, I'm very surprised at how many movies the Olsen twins have. Um, 
I could be wrong here, but I think without a doubt, the Olsen Twins movie that they're talking about is It Takes Two, which is, I think, one of their one of their early breakout movies. It might mm-hmm. be it might be their biggest still, but you'd have to ask my sister. Um, which is pretty much the parent trap, but they're not related. Have you ever seen a Mary Kate and Ashley movie? I have not. Uh, we're gonna learn a lot throughout this uh, podcast that I don't know movies and I don't know actors. So anytime Tony talks about something that isn't related to what we just watched, I probably don't know it. The why hate on a kid for watching an Olsen twins movie twice. That's not even a lot of times. Uh, or is it? Am I, am I, am I, am I wrong here? I think it's a lot of times. Okay. Well, did you ever watch a movie like as a kid, did you ever like outside of like a child where you would, sit in front of a TV and your parents would just put the same movie on repeat. Did you ever watch, yeah. like, something so many times? Especially it's like, you're a kid, um, Wilson Twins are two seemingly younger uh, twins, and it's, I don't think it's a good enough movie to watch twice as a 12-year-old boy. I respect that. Although I still don't think it's grounds for hating him. She doesn't hate him. She's just uh, shooting him down. Let him know that it's not uh, it's not going to happen, Todd. <laughs> Poor Todd. So from here, the kids are going to make their way to the Forbidden World bookstore to talk to Bruce. I could just read bookstore because of the uh, YouTube footage. So your $5 is once again paying off. Right. So that's $2 paid off so far. Let's see if we can have 5 by the end of this into this podcast episode. Hopefully. Uh, Bruce is played by Ken Campbell. Not much to say about him in connection to um, DCOMs. It, it does stuff as a normal actor, but, you know, DCOMs are where it's at. That's the important stuff. <laughs> um, so they do a bit of charades, and then um, they head to the back room where he explains to them that only... That you can only free the spirit of a mummy on Halloween. But if he doesn't return to his tomb by midnight, that night he will dissolve into dust and his soul will be lost forever. I like that in this uh, like old dusty book about ancient times that they mention Halloween as like an important day. Right, especially as in the concept of, like, Halloween is not a Egyptian holiday, I don't think. Unless you're going trick-or-treating the pyramids, I don't see it. I think it, it stems from uh, from Mexico. Uh, yeah, Day of the Dead. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, a, weird, it's a weird thing to so vividly <laughs> point out in a book about ancient Egypt. But there's a lot of weird things going on here, especially with Bruce, as he has a rigged-up sound effect and strobe light system in the back room of his bookstore that seemingly is only used by Marshall, and no one else goes into this bookstore. One of my things was, I have no clue how this uh, store made 
any money, which is brought up later by him. As he says, I have to start hanging out with people my own age and that he, uh, Marshall is basically Bruce's only customer. Certainly his best customer. Amy is going to recognize the symbol on the sarcophagus in Bruce's book as the symbol of Ra, the Egyptian sun god. And is it at this point that they recognize it matches the sarcophagus? No, that's a lot later in it. Okay. But, like, right. that that's important for later. Right. Um, so, scratch that. That didn't happen yet. <laughs> uh, they, so, you're going to go back to Kubot's house. Um, when they're met by... Met by Leonard? Who? Leonard, the, the kid on... Oh, the, the little train. kid had a name? Yes. I... D- <laughs> I just thought he was a. I, I called him a scab kid, because he comes up to this the group of kids and goes, uh, "Want to see me pick my scab?" And then uh, Amy bullies him a little more about like his blanket, which he calls egg. Right. Uh, he is. He is very mean, especially to Leonard. But uh, Leonard's gonna Leonard's gonna just bring up a yellow truck that came to take away all of Mr. Kubat's stuff. Um, which we'll get into later, because I have a lot of questions about this, but okay. it'll come up later. Um, Leonard carries around a rag for wiping stuff up. As we all do. And he rides a tricycle, which, as the kids run up to the house, he, uh, as the scene ends, he decides, instead of getting on the tricycle, he'll you just go walk away from the tricycle. And that's how he's exiting the scene. And no adult said anything otherwise. I didn't notice that. I'm very glad you saw that he just ditched the tricycle and said, I'm, I'm going to walk now. That's, that's life. Yeah, he was out of here. Um, they're going to run inside the house. And Amy's mom, who is seemingly the fastest realtor in the business, is inside the house showing off the house to potential buyers. Um, they ask Amy's mom about the stuff, and she says they were impounded to get to pay off his taxes, but um, not the stuff in the basement because there was not anything in the basement. Allegedly, there's there's nothing. So now we're gonna hard cut to the mummy, who is at a dairy freeze yes and when i when this scene started i i was very sure that they said dairy queen and i was like i didn't know that this was you you can get a spot like a brand deal this early on right it was a very early brand new but um i watched it a little bit and i read some stuff i did see that my my youtube uh video of it i could see that it said dairy freeze so that's the score yeah. to the youtube stream and they're going to the dairy freeze where the mummy is going to steal a soda he orders it get, get that right he orders it he grunts into the um the drive-through thing and the wonderful lady working at dairy freeze gets the order right and then asks if this is the correct order and then says oh i'm sorry i heard you wrong you wanted a jumbo orange soda instead 
Does he actually put an order in? Or is he just uh, grunting? It's just, grunt, it's just grunting. Okay. But the lady at the uh, drive-thru takes it as a, um, I think it's like a burger meal or something like that. I don't know. All I know is it costed, uh, costs $3.74 for a meal and a jumbo soda, which I think that's a steal, honestly. It is such a steal that he will steal it <laughs> and walk away with the soda without paying it. Um, this is the point where he makes his Patrick Star style noises. This is where I noticed it, yes. And he's going to get make his way into a park where there's a kid in Halloween costume already. Yeah. Uh, he's going to call... He's going to call the mummy and very special. Well, he's going to call him ugly first. And then his mother is like, you don't call him ugly. Call him special. That's a lot better. Right. Which I guess, but also don't call anyone anything. Yeah, just, <laughs> I know you're young, but just ignore him. It's Halloween. It's not that weird. <laughs> what? Like, this kid is dressed up. It, I have a lot of problems with who notices the mummy and who chooses to make a big deal about the mummy. It's very weird because the most of the times like we see the mummy act in like public with somebody else, it's like everybody else is in costume too. Right. So there's these people who freak out about this dude dressed as a mummy in Halloween. And there's nothing like grotesque about his costume that like screams, Oh, this is a real mummy who's been stuck in a sarcophagus for thousands of years. It's not just a random guy in TP. Yeah, it, it, he's very, very noticeably, like, not in costume and more concerning, especially with how much they talk about how bad he smells. Yes. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, he's going to make his way into a hospital as Amy Marshall and Gilbert ride past the hospital on their bicycles. Um, he's gonna, eventually, as he's in the hospital, he's gonna be found by a doctor who will call him a burn burn victim Mm -hmm. and claim he tried to treat himself, ram him with a gurney. With a a bunch of other doctors. With a bunch of other doctors. And then proceed to jumpstart his heart, despite the fact that he's been making noises and moving his body throughout the whole process. They do say he has no pulse, though. But this man, you can see, is very much alive in the mummy sort of way. Like, he's moving, he's grunting. But nonetheless, they try to resuscitate him. Uh Uh, Not great doctors. Amazing but doctors. Doctors. <laughs> doctors who are willing to go the extra mile as they chase him out of the hospital. Well, he, well, the mummy does run out, but then the doctors decide, we're going to chase him down. Right. Because that's our job as well. Shout out to the frontline workers. Frontline workers. They're going above and beyond here <laughs> to help this poor burn victim. <laughs> so the so the kids are gonna run into Harold. Um, they're gonna hide. Oh, okay, wait. You said Harold. Oh, at this point in the movie, it's just the mummy. He doesn't. Have oh, a name I yet. apologize. No, we're gonna go at least. I feel like 
30 more minutes until this mummy has a name? Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just a weird switch that late in the movie. But we'll get to that, I feel. Very weird. And uh, they're going to talk to the mummy. He's going to reenact the whole thing. Um, then they're going to attempt to sneak the mummy into Marsha's bedroom and... Marsha's mom is going to run up the stairs and question what all the noise is as their genius idea is to say they were clogging and not... They weren't all clogging. Amy was teaching them how to clog. You know, the bully. Instead of telling the mom that they brought up this mummy statue, that they'll run with that gag in a little bit, that this mummy is a statue. Because it fits into the whole spirit uh, Halloween vibe of uh, Marshall's room. So they're going to... So they're going to convince the mom uh, to leave them alone. And they'll send her downstairs. And at this point, Marshall's going Marshall's gonna to mansplain to Amy the entire situation that they've dealt with. As if Amy hasn't been here since the first, since the first step of the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> so... Great move by Marshall. And then they're going to sit here and they're going to decide to name the mummy. Yes, because Marshall has started to feel this connection and that he, uh, the mummy understands Marshall. So they decide, oh, he decides to name the mummy Harold. After his uncle. Who looks like him. I don't know what that means. And I don't think I want to know what that means. No, thank you. <laughs> doesn't look, doesn't, they don't name him Ted. He no. doesn't, he doesn't look like Ted. He looks like his uncle, Harold. Yeah. Like, Ted's the same height as the mummy. Ted's for obvious height, reasons. Same height, same build, same, uh, <laughs> same tone in the voice. But, yeah. Uh, he's a Harold. <laughs> um, Harold's going to eat a goldfish. Uh, he spits it out. He attempts to eat the goldfish. Uh-huh. Wow, uh, All By Myself by Eric Carmen plays. I gotta say, this in this scene, like, we'll hear All By Myself again in this film, but in this one, it sounds like a bootleg for some reason. <laughs> and it doesn't sound like a bootleg later. And I was so confused by that. I'm like, oh, they just didn't get the rights for it. But it seems like they got the rights for the second half of the film. <laughs> I didn't catch that, but I, I take your word for it. <laughs> so we're going to cut to some place where the coffin is being examined by a bunch of, like, old white guys. You can just call them goons. Goons. The They're goons the goon squad. squad. <laughs> and uh, we're going to cut to... We're not going to cut. We're going to pan up to Mr. Kumbat. As he's standing over the sarcophagus, and he's gonna he's gonna send them off to go find the mummy. Uh, important point here: if it's missed, Mister Kubat is alive and well. All right, cut to Marshall and the mummy watching Ted and Marshall's mom through the window, and then they're gonna head off to bed. But then. Harold, there's this weird long scene where we just kind of watch Harold 
prance about the room and do nonsense for what felt like 10 minutes. He's doing human stuff. He's just vibing. Come on, man. He's been stuck for like thousands of years. Let him let him just vibe. Movie could have been shorter. Uh, like it could have been. <laughs> there's maybe a half hour of this movie that doesn't need to be in this movie. There's a lot of just the mummy kind of doing stuff that's not like too important to the plot that could be cut down. Right. Uh, yeah. Um so he's gonna he's there's not really anything here. Um but he's gonna like chase a dog a little bit, but then he Because gonna... he shoots a toy out of the window. Right. And when he goes out, the dog has it in his mouth. So that's what starts to chase. Yeah, he's gonna chase the dog until he finds a bus drive by. And the bus has the symbol of Ra on the bus because there is a exhibit at the museum. And he's going to follow the bus as if the bus takes him to the museum. Did he get on the bus? I know we can't tell in the movie. He doesn't get think- on the bus. I, did he get on? I don't know why the bus is necessarily advertising the museum and going on like a nonstop run to the museum at like nine o'clock at night i was very confused because once again the youtube uh stream i could not read that it was the uh exhibit advertisement and i was very confused at why just any place would use the uh the eye symbol just for plain old advertising but the uh the mysteries of the pyramid exhibit exhibit makes a lot of sense here so thank you for telling me i think that's three dollars for you three dollars for me um, so from here, there, Amy Marshall and Gilbert are gonna go on a search to find him. Marshall got out of bed, noticed Howard was gone, snuck out of his house, got to Gilbert's house, told Gilbert, hey, we gotta go find, we gotta go find Harold. Then got to Amy's house and told Amy they gotta go find Harold. And then they searched for Harold and found him almost seamlessly. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's definitely at the uh, exhibit. Right. They find him at the museum, which is not guarded whatsoever. No. um, Unlocked doors uh, everywhere. Why? Why (laughs) And yeah, no, I mean. Some precious artifacts just kind of chilling out. They're going to run into the museum. They're going to find Harold just kind of like staring at the exhibit. They're going to figure out that Harold is a high priestess. Or no, a high priest who is supposed to guard the queen's body. Um, And... uh, Gilbert, uh, they learned that he lived a life of celibacy to defend the queen. And Gilbert asks, what celibacy? To which Amy responds with, no chicks. And Gilbert says, I could never. And Amy responds with, you'll get used to it. 
I saw that. I wrote it down. This is might be the one time where Amy's bullying isn't completely just out of nowhere and mean. It's a good burn. I think this is the funniest part of the movie so far. Yeah, no, I, I laughed. Like, I actually laughed out loud for this one. Right. Uh, um, I also I also want to bring up that um, Amy makes fun of Gilbert's pajamas at one point. And then Gilbert says, what do you wear to bed? And Amy says, I sleep in the nude. And there's no more conversation on that. So I think this is the first time uh, throughout our journey that the people who write these movies need to go to jail. And they're also going to have a bit earlier on. Yes. About Amy's bra. And she compared it to a uh, bulletproof vest, I think. Right, right. She said her her bra was Kevlar. And <laughs> it's just some weird writing about a 12-year-old girl that us as people are going to ask to stop doing that. And it's not going to stop. On, and we're going to move on. <laughs> Um, so Harold's going to just pull out an amulet, amulet from nowhere and it's going to match the Queens. And then, who's in this sarcophagus in the museum. Sorry, say museum again. I'm sorry. Is it, are we going to start the Ethan bullying podcast? Say okay. Museum. Uh, uh, museum. All right. Well, museum. Uh, yeah. for itself. Uh, the police are going to show up. And they're going to call for backup before ever assessing the situation. Yeah. Like, I get it for, like, a mummy kind of thing, but still, it's mainly three kids. Right. They, he, the cop calls for backup where it's seemingly, like, the only thing, if he looked around, he would notice three bicycles. And... Like kid-sized bicycles. Kid-sized bicycles, and then it does not need backup. But whatever, backup doesn't matter because they snuck out the back door of the museum. And there's no more consequences. Marshall and Amy, uh, we're going to cut to Marshall and Amy in Marshall's backyard where they're talking about Harold and uh, not anything important. Because Harold and Gilbert are going to come out of the basement shooting uh, shooting dart guns at each other. Only from what I thought would be a heartwarming scene. But it's just everyone yelling at Gilbert for letting the mummy out into the backyard that is gated, gated and fenced in. <laughs> but uh, here we are. Gilbert is growing immensely throughout this movie at a rapid pace. Yeah. As he has no fears about mummies anymore. He's friends with the mummy. Gilbert's growth is great, and it's being overshadowed by anything the writers can find. (laughs) Anytime Gilbert talks, he gets shot down no matter what he says. And I think that's sad. Especially with how his mother treats him, apparently. Right, his mother, Amy, 
as father too, potentially. Assuming, yeah. Um, here after that part, we're gonna have probably the most confusing part. Yes, of the movie. Um, Leonard, the uh, scab kid, scab kid, blink boy. Uh, tricycle cane. Leonard is gonna show up, and he's gonna say, "Hey, some mummy." I. <laughs> He must, he must go in the tomb that I saw, go into the yellow truck. Uh, and, and they're gonna, I mean, they're gonna try and play it off and just mostly be mean to Leonard and tell him to get lost, but, uh. Yeah, because this kid doesn't know any information, because the conversation goes, that's a mummy, and then the, the group goes like, don't tell anybody about this. And then he's like, I just wanted ice cream. And then. Uh, everybody was like, "Like, do you know what was said in the truck? And he's like, no, I'm like eight. And everybody's like, get the hell out of here. And you're like, he's right. got information. He's going to say, if you see the guy in the yellow truck, don't ask him for any ice cream because he won't give it to you. The defining feature of this truck is not that it's yellow. The defining feature is that it's an ice cream truck. The kid realized there was an ice cream truck. He asked it for ice cream truck. He is smart enough to know that mummy's going to sarcophagus, but could not <laughs> relay the message to them that it was a ice cream truck. And it, I, I, it was... I don't have an answer to what this scene was. It made no sense. I feel like that was like anything with the scab kid. I don't think we see him again after this, but just every conversation with him is a journey. Amy's gonna Amy's gonna eventually not eventually, pretty quickly be like, Oh, ice cream truck company warehouse. Uh they have yellow ice cream trucks. And they're gonna be like, That must be where the sarcophagus is. Pretty Big quickly. common assumption, yeah. Yeah. Um they're gonna then go they're going to then go out to the store in any, any time you have anybody that's out of place, you need a montage or a walking through public dressed as a full style shot. And they buy, they're going to buy Harold clothes because he needs a disguise to go to the ice cream warehouse. He does not need a disguise to run through a park. Um, into a museum, into Marshall's house, into a hospital, but he needs one for an abandoned ice cream truck warehouse. Where everybody there knows about a mummy and will definitely not be tricked by a mummy who honestly looks like a pimp. Right. They're going to have this Spider-Man 3 style. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It walk clicked. down the street with a uh, mummy and three children. So somehow that makes it worse. Um, and the mummy hops on a little kid tricycle, which if you know the actor is hilarious that they made him ride on a child-sized uh, tricycle. Right. They're going to hop on these tricycles. They're going to make their way 
to the warehouse. Um, Marshall's gonna get a boost up, and um, and Harold here is gonna perfectly say the word sorry, and he's okay with <laughs> almost no difficulty. My man's got yeeted at least 20 feet up in the air and landed just on dirt. Not a pile of dirt, but dirt that has been evenly laid out on the ground. And this happens twice, and he's fine. Right. (laughs) A lot of questions. But Marshall and Harold are going to notice that Mr. Kubat's alive. And then they're going to make their way... um, they're just gonna they're gonna book it out of there, and they're gonna decide that they need to go find Bruce because they need to use his car um, to get the sarcophagus out of there. Right, and uh, and oh, and uh, on the way out, we see one of the goon squad see this group of three kids and a pimp uh, leaving the warehouse where he proceeds to tell uh, Mr. Kubat that uh, the mummy's there because the disguise has not worked one bit. Right. Uh, they're going to get to this Halloween carnival, which is seemingly in a high school, which is seemingly not a carnival. And Harold is not wearing the disguise anymore. No, because it hasn't worked. Uh, and you would think that he would uh, blend in at this Halloween party, which he does for a little bit. But I think there's one point where they uh, unwrap his uh, like TP a little bit, and people get freaked out by it because right, he's gonna yeah, they're gonna they're they planned costumes here and. They're going to show up to this party hours after. <laughs> I mean, it is dark outside when when they show up to this party or this carnival. And they were not finding good costumes because um, Marshall is wearing a hat. <laughs> Amy is wearing um, nothing. Uh, she puts no costumes. Not yet. Oh, no, okay. She's going to show up just as Amy. Gilbert's going to have tints and sunglasses and, uh, and a boa? Feather boa. Feather boa. Feather pink boa. feather boa. Right, sorry. Had to get that right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's important for this joke. <laughs> and he's going to say that he is Dennis Rodman. I was assuming Elton John, but Dennis Rodman is a hundred times better. I think that's the bit, is that he looks like Elton John. <laughs> okay, I just... Th- <laughs> he looks like Elton John. He says he's Dennis Rodman, which is uh, great, which is a great sports reference to have. Um, unfortunately, I thought about counting sports res- references, but we're going to get a lot of sports references because... of DCOMs are about sports. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, you're going to catch a lot of sports references in the purely sports movies. 
Right. We have a lot of other counters we can talk about, like jail time and other things. <laughs> uh, so we're going to... So Amy's going to... Everybody's going to criticize Gilbert's costume. <laughs> and Gilbert's going to call out Amy. Amy is going to take out a pair of Princess Leia earmuffs and put them on her head. There we go. Um... Marshall and Amy walk into the walk into the party. Uh, Gilbert and Harold are forced to sit outside <laughs> because why? The mummy's disguised as a mummy. Yeah, it's Halloween. Right. I think at this point they're gonna kind of put a piece of his wrapping over his mouth. That's what him- it is. Yeah. To make him seem more disguised, but um, I I don't I don't get it. I don't get it because, as I brought up a little before, I was a little bit ahead. It's that somebody sees this, like the mummy, like Harold himself, without like the wrapping around his mouth. But then the wrapping gets like put in his mouth, and that clicks for the lady who sees him that. It's a either a really good costume or a real mummy, which I don't think you would assume on Halloween. Right. There's a lot of like people being like, oh, that's a mummy, or people being like, oh, that's a great costume. Yeah. Marshall, uh, Marshall and Amy are going to make their way to Bruce. They're going to tell him to come see their mummy. Uh, Marshall and Amy are going to notice Marshall's mom. And Ted dancing in the middle of the party. And then we're going to cut to Harold, who we watch walking into the party. Because Gilbert has left him because of they're both thirsty. Yeah, Gilbert leaves him. And Harold walks into the party with the goon squad behind him. And Gilbert's going to come out with two drinks for him and Harold. Helen's going to enter the party, no problem, despite having someone scream in his face for just standing outside the party. Um, he's going to find someone dressed up as Cleopatra to dance with, once again, to All By Myself by Eric Garman. Which sounds like the real version this time. Which sounds but- like the real version, not the bootleg version. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up something about that conversation. I mean, when Amy and Marshall see uh, Ted and Marshall's mom dancing, it's that Amy goes like, if you need to talk about like your situation or whatever, you can talk to me about it, which I thought was just really weird because this was out of nowhere for Amy. And it confuses me later on as well. They do have a bit of a conversation about, like, Harold's love for the Queen um, before before Leonard shows up, but it is rather out of nowhere. Obviously, like, the romantic plot is building up because it has to. In a it's a decom, yeah. Yeah. But, um... It it does seemingly come out of nowhere in a very tense situation for her to just be like, hey, I'm here if you need me. 
yeah, she's been like bullying everybody this entire movie. And then it's just out of nowhere. She acts nice. But then she gets back to bullying, which is like good. Right. <laughs> uh, so Don't Gilbert, bully people. Don't bully people. Well, mm, so Gilbert walks into <laughs> the party and he finds a man dressed up as a mummy holding a beer. So Gilbert's response is to rip the drink out of his hand. Elmo him in the stomach. Only for the calmest principal ever to tell Gilbert, don't do that. I am your principal. Is this a school party? Um, it doesn't. It just seems like a town party because it's, it's really all adults. Like, I don't see any kids there other than the group. There, there's a few kids who go into the haunted house later. Yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. If it's a town party, it's okay for the principal of the school to get drunk. If it was um, a school party, no way. I didn't know it was a beer because of the YouTube quality again. So that's four bucks for you. Um, I'll take the four bucks, but also, <laughs> Gilbert says, You're not drinking on my watch. Give me that beer. <laughs> I didn't see that. Um, I didn't hear that. So, uh, thank you. Because so, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, Amy Marshall and Bruce are in the haunted house. Bruce doesn't believe them uh, about a mummy, despite them bringing up mummies to this man before to before this time. And, like I said, he's not, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's no. running a haunted house where he charges kids $2 and apparently is making a killing. More than his bookstore, I think. More than his bookstore, yes. This is where he makes his money. (laughs) Yeah, so so then we come back to Harold, where there's this weird mix-up that I I don't know why this is in the show, in the movie. Harold and Cleopatra are dancing, and and then a woman comes over, and it's like, hey, that's my husband. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, get lost. <laughs> and then, and she's like, no, it's my husband. And then Cleopatra's like, well, well, let's see if it's your husband. And then rolls, and then rolls the, um, the face wrapping. Yeah. yeah. Un- unwraps the face. And they, and the wife says, hey, that's not my husband. And she goes, well, then I don't know why I'm dancing with him. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, aggressively undoes the bandages more. Gilbert and the principal run over. You learn that the other woman is the principal's wife. Um, the music stops just in time for us to hear any, any, like, five cents sound effect of screaming to play on repeat. Yes. <laughs> and um, the kids, the mummy, and Bruce all make a mad dash for the haunted house as they're chased by the Kubop boys. I love that name for them. <laughs> they, all, they all make their way to Bruce's car and for some reason, their tactic here 
is to leave Harold. Yeah, I was very confused by this because, like, Harold's holding the door, which makes sense at first, like the door to the uh, the carnival, and everybody gets in. And then Marshall's like, come on, Harold, leave. We can, you can come in the car. And then uh, Harold doesn't say anything because he's a mummy, of course, but he doesn't make a grunt either. And then everybody's like, including Marshall, are like, we're going to leave. And that's the end of it. And then uh, the Kubak boys capture the mummy. Kubak boys are going to capture the mummy. No problem. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Bruce decides to finally help the kids as long as nothing weird happens. And Weirder than hanging out with kids who are 12 while you were an, an adult, but that's besides the point. I think the mummy is the weird part. I don't think it is. They get to the warehouse before, uh, after Harold gets to the warehouse because he's chained up inside the warehouse. Yeah, like it makes sense that they would be there first because they left, but that doesn't be the scene the case that doesn't seem to be the case because it seems like the goons are just doing what they were before just this time they have Harold right uh, so their their master plan is um Amy's going to co- go up to one guard and pretending to uh, have had her like eyes blown out yes like, um it, I gotta say the fake bloody eye looked really good from what I could see of it. Uh, but it doesn't matter just because uh, it's a good dis- enough distraction for uh, Bruce and Marshall to beat the crap out of him. <laughs> right. And then um, Bruce kind of um, just jumps on him, laying on the ground, probably breaking at least all of his ribs. Right. Um they were definitely also beating him with styrofoam. I couldn't they, tell. I, it, there was no way they were beating him with anything like hard. Like you could have, you couldn't have told me you found like you couldn't find like a pipe lying around that warehouse. At this warehouse, yeah, because they get all of these like weapons out of um, Bruce's trunk, which right. are basically just Halloween props. So it does make sense that you stay, say they are styrofoam. Right. Gilbert's going to stay in the car, despite the fact that we talked about how great his character development was. Um, they're going to also tie the guy up with intestines. Oh, I just thought they put him out for fun. I didn't see him get tied up. So, uh, you know, that uh, makes sense. <laughs> so this is... Probably the second most confusing scene coming up here. So, um, Marshall's gonna run in on his own. Amy and Bruce are gonna split up, um, for Marshall. They're going to come up with the idea to set off the fire alarm. Well, the original plan was for Amy just to yell fire, I believe. All but right. then, the one... So, before they all get into the warehouse, they pull everything out of their pockets. And then, they're like, okay, we have 87 cents and a lighter and nobody at at that point in time at least is like oh we can use the lighter for something they just say okay we have nothing right it weird weird scenario why did somebody have was it a lighter was it a match it was a singular match that's what it was yeah why someone just had a singular match i don't know 
But here we are. <laughs> Harold, um, Harold's gonna just be chilling. Chained he's, up, yeah. Chilling, chained he's up. chained up, but no one is guarding him. Uh, <laughs> Marshall's gonna get Harold out of the chains. With kind a of. crowbar, I think? I think so. Which confused me. Because that just means Marshall is extremely strong that he could break chain with a crowbar. Right. Because one thing we're learning about Harold is that he is getting weaker as the night gets closer, closer to, midnight. to midnight. Yeah. Um, but I'd argue we've never seen Harold necessarily strong uh, until when he, now. No, when he chucked uh, Marshall over earlier. All right. Okay. Yeah. So we watch him do that. But the second strongest he is, I think, is. Now is in this final scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Marshall and Harold are gonna run up to the sarcophagus, which is also not guarded. Um, uh, before we get to this part, uh, when they were going to light the uh, I think it was like a little rope up top, I think it's Bruce who's gonna do it, right? He goes to light it with a singular match, uh gets burnt by the match, proceeds to drop it, um, hold on to the pipe up in the warehouse, where in the sequence of three cuts is hanging by his hands, and then I think by his feet the next cut, <laughs> and then it and then in the next one back up in his hands, where he proceeds to Tarzan like the pipes break where he Tarzan swings down into a pile of Containers, metal containers. I ice think. cream. Ice cream. It was ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> they were ice cream. Just, uh, ice cream buckets. I just thought it was important to note that that whole scene with Bruce. Makes I don't know no how sense. I missed that. I don't know how I missed that. That was I don't amazing. <laughs> but I uh, respect that he dropped the match because he got burnt, because one time I did that uh, doing a science lab in school, and I almost burned down the entire school because I threw the match. But that's besides the point. When I, when we had to do uh, science labs in chemistry, we would just kind of... Um, the one time they let us play with fire, we would just light the match <laughs> into each other, and then we like would see who... Yeah, we would see who could like hold it there the longest. Okay. So Marshall, yeah, so Marshall and Harold are at the coffin. Kubat shows up and has like this really nice kind of like heart to heart with Marshall. Yeah. Like there's nothing aggressive about Kubat in this scene. He's just like, hey, how you doing? You know, I kind of, you know, I got to do what I got to do here, man. The, I, the only thing that's a little weird is that the whole thing centers around. The IRS. Right. Because Mr. Kubat is trying to avoid the IRS. Mr. Kubat reveals that he had to fake his own death because otherwise he would have been arrested for tax evasion. Um, which As is we crazy. all are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, how they got, uh, that's how they got Al Pacino. <laughs> Damn. So, it's rough. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> so as Kurat's there, everyone else is going to show up to the to the coffin. Everyone's standing there, um, seemingly good guys have lost, only for Gilbert to drive a car through a warehouse wall into a crowd of people. Let's go, Gilbert, is all I have to say. (laughs) What a king. Gilbert's going to knock a bunch of stuff over onto the bad guys. This includes the roof collapsing, I believe. The roof does collapse. And it, I think, kills at least a couple goons, which isn't mentioned at all. Right. They're down for the count. Uh, the only one to stand up is Mr. Kubat, who is going to take out a gun. <laughs> only for Harold to, in Darth Vader-like fashion... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> grab Mr. Kubat, lift him up, and throw him 20 feet. It sounded at that point when he threw him like Caveman Patrick. <laughs> it, like he sounded like Patrick before, but I'm like, that is definitely like prehistoric Patrick right there. Just the <laughs> above head throw kind of thing. So, so, uh, the kids are going to, the whole group is going to grab the sarcophagus, grab Harold, get into their, uh, get into Bruce's car, head on over to the unguarded museum that has recently experienced a break-in, <laughs> only to reunite Harold with his mummy girlfriend. Because he wasn't celibate all along. He was getting chicks. Right. Um, I think it was important to note that, like, I don't know if any of them noticed what time it was because they don't say or anything, but it's like they took the time to take separately the casket and the mummy when the mummy could just have vanished in the dust because I don't think anybody checked the time. They just knew it was getting close to midnight. Right. Right, they weren't like... They weren't like, all right, we'll get in there for safekeeping, you know, just in case. They were just kind of like, we'll get there. Don't worry. Yeah, it's like it's like he's not going to just evaporate in the dust or anything. They're also going to pretty much set up the other sarcophagus as if it's already in an exhibit. Like, yeah. it's going to be at the same level as the other one. It is very confusing. But the important thing is Marsha's going to get Harold's amulet. Yeah, it's it's a. I gotta say, it was a really sweet moment. Like I, I just felt good about it. It was nice. It was a sweet moment. It's also gonna. It's gonna lead into a scene with Marshall cleaning out his room, and he's gonna have a talk to his mother. That is also just a very nice moment. Yeah. Um, I think and- my favorite part about that conversation, because the conversation is about like, uh, if, uh, like Marshall is okay because the mom notices something. And then at first, Marshall just goes like, I'm fine and everything. And the mom goes, okay, and starts to leave the room. She doesn't act like, are you sure or anything? She just gets up and leaves. But that's when Marshall says like, do you love Ted? Yeah, only for, only for Marshall to go, marry Ted. Do it. He just reminds it. me of a friend. 
<laughs> oh boy. I think that pretty much wraps up the movie unless you have anything else to say. Um I do actually have one more thing to say. Okay. Because oh I was confused about like that Amy Marshall relationship the entire time. Because it like appears like I'm gonna say for less than two minutes in the entire film. And then in that final scene, Gilbert comes over as they're about to go to the movies. And then Gilbert's like, oh, Amy's going to come too. And Marshall starts to freak out. He's like, I got to get gel in my hair. I got to do all of this. And I'm like, this is a really weird, like, I guess they tried to plant the seeds earlier, but I don't believe it like really worked. I forgot that this scene happened. I would honestly. Come on, man. He's got to get the gel in his hair. He starts panicking and then he dresses up kind of nice, but also like exactly how like Ethan would dress up if he had to dress up nicely. Yeah, which hasn't been in a while. Right. Um uh Amy shows up and they're like and and Amy says something mean and then Gilbert No, goes, a- oh yeah, you're right. Gilbert goes, uh oh good thing I, I got worried that it was uh I I got worried things weren't gonna be the same. Because they were, they were doing a little bit of a 12-year-old flirting before that. And right. Gilbert's like, yo, 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 stop that right, right now. Calm down, calm down. I am not the third wheel. I, I, I think Amy brings up something about, uh, no, Marshall says, nice dress. And then uh, Amy says, thanks. And then Marshall goes, my grandma was buried in one like that. And then Amy proceeds to not answer to that comment and just says, is that a new hairdo? Yeah, it... I- yeah, that was a weird ending, but I think the important thing is that we got through it. <laughs> we did it, and they walk off basically into the sunset, which I feel like we're going to see a lot. Right. So I think uh, this is a better movie than I expected this to be, you know. Uh, my expectations, since it being the first like decom, were really low. And because of that, like, first two minutes, I'm like, I was like, uh-oh. But I think everything was, like, pretty solid. Nothing was too confusing about it. I think the characters were fun. And, like, I actually didn't hate... I don't think I hated anybody in it. And it was just a good a good film, I feel. Yeah, I think I can definitely see why they were like, all right, let's... This worked out, let's keep going. Yeah. But, um... It'll be interesting to see where it ranks among the other ones. I was definitely ready to kind of just go on with this episode and just keep and then wait for the better ones. But this is not, this is right now, you know, I don't have a really official way to rate these. I think the best way to just, instead of trying to give it like one out of something, I think... I think just uh, seeing where it falls in the power rankings, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting because uh, I, uh, it'll it'll have some competition a lot early on, and we'll see how it holds up. Yeah, like I expected this to be like really low in the list, but I feel like it's not going to be in the complete bottom. It is but not the say, worst decom. Yeah, I know there's definitely worse ones. But if we were going to rank it right now, it's number one on my list because there's no other movies we've watched so far. Yeah, I'm going to have to throw Under Wraps in number one on my list too. Dude, bold choice, bold choice. 
I'm feeling risky. I'm feeling risky. <laughs> That's what we're about on this podcast. We like we're we're risky. Watching 160 comes is real risky to anybody. <laughs> but we're taking that challenge. The next movie that we'll be doing is You Lucky Dog, starring Kirk Cameron, who we could talk about for an entire podcast in of, a, in of itself. I don't know. There you that. go. You got it. Uh, it's about a dog therapist who can read dog minds, in case you couldn't expect that. I am very hyped now. I had, I've never heard of this movie, so that description has already sold me. I've got high expectations. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for watching uh thank you for listening you didn't watch anything yeah I you can't see me my hair is pretty bad right now you didn't watch ethan drop his microphone 18 times when it was go to the three. bathroom five it's sad you can't see my nice hawaiian shirt but it's probably for the best not to see us right now hang with us you can uh find this podcast uh Hopefully, uh, hopefully on Apple, on Apple Podcasts. Apple. Maybe I'll throw it on Spotify if I can like hack the system and slide it. If we it figure in. out, yeah, we'll figure out how to get this out to you. Um, from now, uh, you know, shout out to our producers, Lila and SB. Thanks shout for uh, they're, they're real ones. They're, they're real ones. Thanks, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good week. We will see you next time on the unofficial decom podcast.